0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all of you present here who joined us in church this morning for the worship of our triune God. extend a special welcome to any visitors and guests who have joined us, and also to those who are remotely joining us via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And may God be praised and glorified by our worship This morning, Consistory has several announcements. Due to the periodic retirement of Elders Otis New, B. Milder, M. Scoof, and P. Terpstra, as well as Deacons F. Dawn and S. Van the Consistory invites the congregation to submit names of brothers deemed suitable to serve in the office of Elder and or Deacon. The letters of nomination must be substantiated and signed and are to be handed to the Secretary Brother W. Spiker, prior to the meeting of Consistory with Deacons, scheduled for Monday the 11th of September. Consistory with Deacons will meet tomorrow evening at 8pm. The annual general meeting of the church is scheduled for Monday the 18th of September at 8pm, coffee available from 7.30pm. Sister Olivia Hitting and brother Theo van Dyke have indicated their intentions to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and to complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Friday the 6th of October at 12.30 p.m. in the Free Reformed Church of Darling Downs with Reverend D. Poppy officiating. This morning, the worship service will be led by Brother D. Pot. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing together hymn 55 verse 1.
1: Able, please rise to receive the greeting of our Lord. Let us confess our dependence on the Lord with the words of Psalm 124 verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the Lord greets us with grace be unto us and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Congregation, let us respond to that greeting and sing together Psalm 98, verse 1. Psalm 98, verse 1. God led his people out of Egypt he gave his people special instructions as to how they should live and God gives these same commandments the same law to us today. So let us now listen to God's holy law as we find it in Exodus chapter 20 and in response let us sing together Psalm 102 verse 11. You shall not be a false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors. Us together pray and ask the Lord for a blessing on this church service. Merciful God, Father in heaven, we praise you and worship you as our God, our maker. How wonderful that we may be in church again this Sunday morning in total freedom that we can be in your presence again to worship you, to praise you with our songs, to bring our sacrifices, to open your word together, and to listen to what you have to say to us this morning. We thank you for the freedom we have. That also this morning we can meet with you in your house and meet with one another without any form of restrictions. While in other parts of the world there is political unrest, there is turmoil, a devastating, devastating earthquake in Morocco, persecution in some countries, which causes anxiety and fear and sometimes even death thank you lord for your word which you have given to us your word by which you wish to guide us to instruct us to admonish us and also to comfort us we have just listened listened together to your holy law your commandments by which you instruct us how we are to live before you and we must confess also this morning That we have trampled upon all these commandments in the past week, we have ignored them, we have disobeyed them and we have done things and we have said things and we have thought things which you, Lord, have expressly forbidden. Father, we plead, we plead for forgiveness for all the sins which we have committed during the past week. The sins which we remember, but also the sins which we have already forgotten. We pray for forgiveness of sins of selfishness. (coughs) Sexual sins which we have engaged in. Sins of idolatry. So easily and so often we bow down before the same gods as the world. Materialism. Money. Sex. Sports, Father, grant us hearts of wisdom and also a spirit of true humility that these things do not become dominant in our lives and also help us in the hour of temptation help us to say no when Satan tries to lead us astray when he tries to lead us to sin Father, make us strong and make us more and more readable letters of our Lord Jesus Christ also to the people who live around us. Will you now bless us as we open your word together? Bless us in reading and listening that indeed our worship may be acceptable in your eyes. That we as Your people may be instructed this morning how we should live. That we are all edified Encouraged to new obedience, and above all, that you may be glorified by means of our worship. Hear us, Lord, as we pray this in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Then we turn to our Bibles and we read together two passages from Paul's letter to the second. Book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, first of all, verse 1 to 11, and then from the same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 15. So first of all, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many then we turn to the same book chapter 4 and we read verse 1 to 15. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to anyone's conscience in the sight of God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. ...so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Thus far the reading, let us now respond by singing together Psalm 43, verse three and four. text for the sermon of this morning we find in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, the verses 16, 17 and 18. The three verses from 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light's momentary affliction is prepared for us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transients. But the things that are unseen are eternal. The sermon which I will read was made by Reverend J. Fisher. He is the Emeritus Minister of the Canadian Reformed Church in Langley, British Columbia. In response to the sermon, let us sing together from hymn 64, the verses 1 and 2. Hymn 64, verse 1 and 2, after the sermon. beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The boat slowly pulled away from its moorings. It made its way down the canal and went from one canal into another. The waters were very quiet and it was smooth sailing. In time it entered the main channel and there the water became a little, more, little bit more choppy. Small waves were beating against the boat. All in all, no bother. Just a little up and down and side to side movements. And then the boat headed into open waters. And that's when it became a different story. The wind picked up. The waves increased in size. They beat upon the boat, one after the other. And the boat in turn was tossed up and down. There was even water going over and coming into the boat. The passengers hung on tight. it had become a really rocky ride. Now, brothers and sisters, in more ways than one, This is an analogy of life. Some of our days and years here on Earth are spent in relatively quiet and tranquility. There is little fuss and little bother and a lot of smooth sailing. But in due course, other days come along that are more challenging, more trying, but still as a whole it's manageable. And then there are the real difficult days, days when conflict, unemployment, lack of work, financial pressures, sorrow, loneliness, sickness, death in the family, and more. And they threaten to overturn the boats of our lives. Why are there times when life becomes so difficult that we are on the point of despair? We see no light at the end of the tunnel. We want to give up. We wish it was all over. The ability to keep going disappears. We are in danger of losing heart. Have you ever felt that way, brothers and sisters? Have you, and do you ever feel this way? If you did, or maybe currently do, you are not alone. Indeed, you are in very good company. The Apostle Paul had these thoughts too. Read what he says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8 and 9. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul was down. Utterly down, almost out. Only not quite. For a little while later he writes, We do not lose heart. And a little later he says it again. So we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. Interesting. Intriguing. And it immediately provokes the question, what accounts for this change? How does he make a comeback and even turn things around? What is the secret? In part, beloved, the answer we find in the rest of verse 16, 17 and 18. There Paul gives us a small peek into the kinds of things that keep him going. But not just going... There he lets us in on what enables him to rise above these hardships, to thrive, and even to triumph. And we can learn from that this morning. Why? We can learn lots from that. Hence, I preach to you, never, ever lose heart. How? By looking closely at the following three aspects outer and the inner, the momentary and the eternal, and the seen and the unseen. Our scripture reading reveals that here the Apostle Paul is busy defending his apostolic office. In Corinth, as in so many other places, there was a group of false teachers who wanted to nullify Paul's ministry. They went about challenging his teachings, But they did a lot more. They also attacked his person. They got up really close and personal. They told everyone who would listen not to be impressed by Paul. He was nothing to look at. He had no physical presence. He had no charisma. He was not an eloquent speaker either. And do you know what? Paul does not even disagree with them. He freely admits that he is nothing to look at. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, earthen vessels. He speaks in our text about his outer nature, the outward man, wasting away, perishing. In short, Paul knows that God has not made him tall and handsome. God has not even made him a fine speaker like Apollos was as well. Time and travel and trouble have worn him down. Outwardly, externally, physically, Paul is in a very poor shape. But does all of that lead him to despair? No, not at all. And why not? Well, here is reason number one. Though our outer self, outer nature, is wasting away Our inner self, the inward man, is being renewed day by day. What is he referring to here? It is the difference between body and soul, or body and spirit. It is to the conflict between the old nature and the new nature. No, no, he is referring to the fact that a person who has two parts to his nature, an outer, visible, physical side, And an inner, a hidden, a spiritual side. And now when it comes to the former, Paul freely admits that it is wasting away and perishing. It is decaying. It is wearing out. It's all but done in. And no wonder. Consider the kind of life he has been living. Read what he wrote earlier. We are afflicted in every way perplexed, persecuted, struck down, carrying in the body the death of Jesus, being given over to death. Read what he writes in chapter 11, verse 24 to 27. Let us read that together. Chapter 11 from verse 24, where we read what Paul endured. Chapter 11. twenty-four robbers. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Isn't that a list? and a half. What kind of shape would would we be in after all this? No doubt we would look and feel like all this, maybe even worse. Nevertheless, that is not the end of the story. For there is more going on, much more. True, his body may be as good as down and almost out. But the same cannot be said of his spirits, the inward man. For look what is happening to us. It. it is being
2: renewed
1: day by day, we read. It is moving in a totally different direction. One is going down and the other is going up. The outer self is falling apart. The inner self is getting stronger and stronger. The latter is experiencing a mighty renewal. (coughs) How is that possible? There is only one explanation. And it has to do with the Holy Spirit. His enemies may be working on the outside, but the Spirit is working on the inside. The Spirit is giving him new courage, new confidence, new strength, new hope. It's like he wrote earlier we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Yes, and because of all this, Paul can carry on with his ministry. His face may be wrinkled, his back may be bent, his legs may be weak, his hands may be twisted. His voice may be faint, nevertheless the Spirit is at work in him, making him stronger and stronger all the time. He is being better equipped all the time. His inner self is soaring. Now all of that is great to read about, but it is also great as a reminder for all of us, brothers and sisters. For what Paul experiences is not isolated to him. No, what he writes about here applies to every child of God. Also to you, brothers and sisters, and to me. Of course, it can happen that as a child of God, the waves and billows of life beat us up so badly that, like Paul, our outer self is wasting away. It can even happen that our inner self also takes a beating and de- declines as well. However, the message of the Gospel is that it need not to be that way. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't be that way. We too may experience what Paul did, namely, outer decline. But at the same time, inner renewal can and should be ours as well. Yet For that to happen, we need to be busy with what is called the spiritual disciplines. What are they? They have to do with scripture reading, with prayer, with spiritual reflection and application. They have to do with daily dependence on Christ, on the Spirit and on God the Father. If we are busy with God and we are busy with the things of God, Our inner life will not shrink. It will flourish instead. It will bloom, blossom and thrive. So there is no need to lose heart. God, through Paul, is showing you a better way. He is showing you the way of inner renewal. However, Paul is not finished. Notice that from the one contrast he moves on to the next. The first is about the outer and the inner. The second is now about affliction and glory, or about momentary affliction and eternal glory. Paul writes in verse 17, for this life momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now we may wonder about Paul's choice of words today. Obviously, he's describing his present life here as a light momentary affliction. Yet, we may ask, is that accurate? How can he call it light? And after reading what he writes in chapter 11, we would call it heavy, brutal, onerous. Elsewhere, he speaks about carrying in his body the marks of Jesus about being killed all day long, and about being regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. None of us, we would say, is life stuff. So what are we to think of this? How are we to approach this? Perhaps the best way is to keep the words life and momentary together. And what he is saying is that his struggles are truly of a life momentary nature, when compared or contrasted with the eternity of glory. The point is that this life is really, really short. It doesn't matter whether you get to live 30, 50, 70, 90, or even a hundred years, it is still short. What is our span of life compared to in scripture? Can you guess, brothers and sisters? Can you guess what it is compared to? It's compared to grass. To lowly grass. The psalmist says about us, you and me, as for man his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower on the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. Psalm 103, verse 15. Moses writes that we are like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed and in the evening it fades and withers. Psalm 95. The Apostle Peter also says all men are like grass. Grass. That's us, you and me. So our life here is really Just a moment. momentary, And because our life here is momentary, our troubles are light. Oh, I know that it doesn't feel like that. But, beloved, what you need to do is compare it to eternity, and better yet, to an eternity of glory. And more even, to an eternity of glory beyond all comparison. Perhaps the example of an old weighing scale will help. The kind with a bar on the top and a plate at his end. Now, on the one plate you put all your troubles, all your heartaches, all your struggles, all the griefs, all the pains in his life. And on the other side, you put all the joys, the blessings, the promises, the gifts, and the wonders of eternal life. And when you are finished. What do you think will happen? The scripture says that the weight of glory is so great that the scale will instantly slam down on the side of eternity. The troubles of today are absolutely no match for the happiness in store for us of eternity. Affliction here and now cannot compete with the weight of that glory. It really and truly is a case of no contest whatsoever. But just because it is a case of no contest, does that mean that there is no connection between the two? For Scripture reveals as well that affliction prepares us for glory. It makes us ready. It makes us yearn for what is to come. So, beloved, when troubles and afflictions threaten to swamp the boat of your life, remember. Remember to focus on eternity. And not just any eternity, no, an eternity filled with Christ, with a new heaven and a new earth, with a new resurrected body, with a new city, with a new and everlasting life. So, brothers and sisters, Do not lose heart. Thus far we have looked at two good reasons not to. But there is a third one in our text. And we read that in verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So with the first contrast is between outer and inner and the second is between affliction and glory. The third is between what is seen and what is unseen. Why one could even argue that the translation is somewhat weak here and that it should we, we fix our sights, we concentrate our attention we glue our eyes on the things that are unseen. The language here is the language of target practice or of hunting. You are on the rifle range and when you have a target in your sight, what do you do? You stop, you stand dead still, you raise your rifle, you concentrate hard and you fix your eyes on the target. And once you've firmly got it in your sight, then and only then do you squeeze the trigger and shoot. Well, what applies to a hunter applies to a believer as well. The Apostle Paul says that as we go through life, we need to fix our eyes on the invisible, on the unseen. We need to be like Abraham, who looked forward to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker. Of course, this does not mean that we have to opt out of life. We are not being called upon to live as hermits or monks. We are not being ordered to shun life itself. No, we can appreciate all that God has made and all that God has given us. We can and we may enjoy a glass of wine. We can be attached to our pens and our parchments. We can go on holidays. We are allowed to relax. We are allowed to play a game of golf, yet at the same time, there is a proviso, a condition attached to all of this. And what is it? It is the awareness that possessions, the toys, the pleasures, the pastimes of this life are but fleeting. They are all passing. The new boat will lose its shine. The new car will give way to something better something faster and fancier. The new house will become normal. So what should we do? Two things. The first is this. Do not fix your heart, your desires, your ambitions on what is passing away, what is fading, and what is temporary. One day you will die, and you cannot take your house, your car, your boat, or your golf clubs into the casket You will have to leave everything behind. You will have to say farewell to everything. Sad? Distressing? Upsetting? It depends, brothers and sisters. And it depends on what? It depends on the second thing, which is whether you fixed your eyes on what is unseen and eternal. If you have not, then indeed it can be sad indeed. But on the other hand, if you have, then you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So, beloved, by all means, use and enjoy the things of this life. Only do not fix your eyes on them. Fix your eyes on the things that are unseen. Fix your eyes on him who is unseen. Fix your eyes on... Jesus. Fix your eyes on his kingdom. Fix your eyes on his promises. Indeed, if you do that, all the while praying for inner renewal and if you look to what that eternal weight of glory, you will not lose heart. You will have what you need to cope, to prevail, and even to triumph in difficult and troubled times. Amen. past week as a result of cancer. We'll also pray for other related family members in our midst. You will also remember Sister Wendy Muellerberg who was admitted to hospital and will need to undergo an appendix operation sometime today. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for the rich promises of your Word. We thank you for the reminder we received and also needed this morning, that in the midst of our affliction, never to lose heart, never to despair, never to give up, especially when the boat of our life navigates through tumultuous waters. Also in our midst, there are brothers and sisters who have indeed to contend with difficulties. They have to contend with afflictions. Brothers and sisters who are constantly in pain. Others who are under the care of the doctors. Those who suffer from depression or anxiety. We know from ourselves that so often and so easily, we look at the here and now and then, indeed, anxiety does take hold of us. While we forget to look to you, forget to look at the heavenly things which are unseen, which are eternal. Grant, Lord, that we indeed may rejoice in your goodness, may rejoice in your word that we all may grow in love for you and for the service in your kingdom. We thank you for the riches which we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, and indeed that future of an eternal life, a life without comparison. Grant us, Lord, that, that comfort which surpasses all understanding particular this morning we pray for our brother Jerry Hart, we pray for the Fred Dick family, the George Brink family. We know there are a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of mixed emotions as a result of the passing away of Wayne heart. There are so many broken pieces, so many broken relationships too. Nevertheless, we pray, grant our brother Jerry, as well as the other family members, the comfort and peace, knowing that you, in your wisdom, you will will provide comfort for all your children in every situation of life, also when a loved one has passed away. Father, grant that we all may draw comfort from your word knowing, too, that nothing escapes your divine attention. Grant that comfort also to some of our senior members in our midst who are grieving the loss of some very dear friends. There is an empty chair. There is an empty place. Grant us all to realize that we are but pilgrims, that we are sojourners on our way to a better place on our way to our eternal destination. We also pray for our sister Wendy Muhlenberg, who was admitted to hospital and who will undergo surgery sometime today. Will you bless the work of the doctors that indeed this operation may have the desired effect and outcome, and that our sister may soon return home and recover so she can take up her duties again in the midst of her family. This morning we also pray, Lord, for the thousands of people who are affected by the devastating earthquake in Morocco. Thousands of people died, thousands being injured. Father, we pray will you bless the relief efforts presently being undertaken by relatives and emergency workers digging through rubble trying to locate some of their loved ones. Above all, we pray that people all around the world may recognize also this catastrophe as being footsteps of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, that many more in this world may turn in repentance to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and find their refuge in Him alone. Father, we pray, give us a blessed day today. And be it your will, will you bring us back here this afternoon so we may continue to drink from the spiritual blessings which you provide in your house. Accept our thanksgiving and hear our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The collection today is, this morning, that is, is for the work of the deacons. And in conclusion, we will sing from hymn 74, to verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Hymn 74, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. us and keeps us. The Lord makes his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon us and gives us peace. Amen.